So a couple weeks ago, a dear friend of mine, people whom you know in the congregation, called me and said, uh, Rabbi, I really would love for you to preside over a memorial for a dear friend of ours who passed away. And because she wasn't Jewish and her husband was, we'd like to have you co-officiate with, with our dear friend who is the head minister at a private school in North, I think it's New Hampshire. And thus I met a beautiful human being whose name is Bob Thompson. And Bob and I had the pleasure of presiding over this memorial this past Sunday. In addition to his presence, his charisma, his voice, which was incredible, Bob began his words by inviting those who were present to think about what religion really means. Given that all of us there were from different faith traditions, all of us there had come from different paths, he pulled out his etymological handbook and said, let me read to you the definition of religion. From two words, re meaning to return, legare meaning ligament or connection, Religion is, at its best, he said, an avenue of reconnection, an avenue of weaving threads between the moments of our lives, weaving threads between those with whom we share life. He invited all of us, he said, to have religious moments, meaning moments of connection, moments of reconnecting, of remembering, of refinding. Of course, that sat with me all week. And I kept thinking to myself, is that what people come to Roma move for? Is that what we mean when we say we're a religious community? Is that what people say when they say, oh, Rabbi, you must be religious? Making all them brachas and things, you know. <laughs> bless my food, bless my this, bless my that. One of those religious guys. And I kept wondering, if Bob were asking all of us, and specifically if he were to ask me as the pastor, as the rabbi, as the, the one who is and has been with this community from the beginning, what is it that Romamu considers religious? Where do we stand? On what do we stand? Or put another way, what are our values? Can you give it to me, rabbi, on one foot? Can you tell me the difference between your community and another community? Who are you? How do I locate you? How will I know it's you? So I would like to explore with you for the next couple of minutes what I found reading this week's Torah portion, what I found by way of that to an answer that I think might actually fly. This week's Torah portion, Vayakel Pekude, it's two different parshiot that are joined together and they often are read together, begins with the word Vayakel Moshe. Vayakel, which means, and he gathered together. Moshe gathered together all of the Israelites to teach them about the Mishkan, the tabernacle. But before he does that, he's going to teach them about Shabbat. So the parsha begins Vayakel. And Moshe brought everyone together. I want to hold that up as number one. 
Vayakel, you can hear in that the word for community, kihila. First and foremost, when I think of where I locate spirit, at least, bare minimum, I have to say I locate it within those I look at, those who sit with me. We can call that, if you will, where, let me just find it here one second. Where I am seen or touched. That's kihila. Where I am seen or touched. Let's hold that as exhibit A. The second theme of this week's Torah portion is, interestingly, Shabbat, which I mentioned before. And all of the commentators want to know, why is Shabbat always showing up with the Mishkan, with the tabernacle? And of course, they learn many things from it. Those things that were prohibited on Shabbat were prohibited as well in the Mishkan and so on and so forth, or those things that were done in the Mishkan are prohibited on Shabbat. But essentially, Mishkan is sacred space. And Shabbat always precedes it to let you know that sacred time takes precedence over sacred space. So Shabbat comes to teach us sacred time. I want to call that where I can stop and when I can stop. Where am I touched? When can I stop and where can I stop? And the third theme of this week's Torah portion is mikdash, sacred space, which is where can I contribute? Where can I be touched? That is community. Where and when do I know how to stop, which is Shabbat? And sacred space, which is, where can I contribute my gifts? Those three pieces I would humbly submit. Or just let's be honest, it's not so humble. It's true for me. These are my three principles. And those of you who have been studying Kabbalah before will see in this very clearly, Olam Shana Nefesh, the classic tripartite division of the world into three axes by the Kabbalists, the world of space, time, and person. Sacred space, sacred time, sacred person. What we're calling community, Shabbat, and Mikdash. Those three. Vayakel, community. Community is that relationship where I can let you know me. Where I can be real and where I can watch the endless permutations of our stuff come to the fore and hopefully be healed. At our core, all of us, each of us, needs to be touched by another. Touch bleeds the heart of its pressure. There are many reasons why we want to be touched, the simplest and most profound of which is that touch heals us. The way a drop of water spreads when touched, the pains of living that we carry spread when we are held and comforted. The buildup of bearing things alone is released for being touched with sincerity and love, releases us from isolation. Beneath all language, and this is deeply what I hold, beneath all of the language, all of the different signifiers and signifies, all of the beliefs, all the ideologies, all of the traditions, all of the orthodoxies in all of their different ways, all of the Bibles and all the sacred texts, underneath all of that language, beautiful as it is, there is one 
human yearning, which is to be touched. Babies die when they aren't touched. Ashley Montague, the great anthropologist, showed. When we don't have physical touch, we don't have a sense of being there with each other, we wither and we die. Kehillah is fundamentally an assertion, depending how you divide your lines, that we all belong to one human family. Sliced and diced, I belong to the Jewish community, I belong to this community, all wonderful and all necessary. And indeed, there are commentators who read this very particular, with a very particular slant. And Moshe gathered all of the Israelites together to exclude the, the ones who, the Erev those riffraff. And Moses gathered together all of the Israelites. I would read, how wide is the circle that you draw around your sense of the human family? Where does it end? And I'll show you at that place, at that boundary, there is pain. Our boundaries must be porous if we are to survive in this world. We must be willing to meet people of all different stripes and colors, different ideologies, people who have bad tempers, people with good tempers. All of it comes together in one community. I remember in the beginning of uh, Romamu, about five years ago, someone came and said, you know, there's this particular person in our community who has extremely big pain in the tochus. And now you, here you are, Rabbi, elevating them to a place of leadership. What do you think you're doing? And I remembered immediately, as soon as they said that, I remembered a story that I'd read from Gurdjieff, the great Russian mystic. And the Russian mystic Gurdjieff had a community in France, and in that community there was also, let's call him a, someone who was a pain in the tochus too. And the community up and kicked him out and made his way. And Gurdjieff woke up one morning, the great mystic, and he said, what happened to so-and-so? And they said, oh, he was too much of a big pain in the tuchas, and so we kicked him out. And Gurdjieff traveled to find him and begged him to come back, and the person said, no, I'm not coming back. And Gurdjieff said, I'll pay you if you come back to our community. And from that point on, he was member of staff at Gurdjieff's community. He was the yeast, right? He was leavening. He was there for them to work with their stuff, with their difficult places. Community offers us a place to work with our stuff. Shabbat or sacred time, each of us is endowed with a sensitivity to being, a need to just be. To be a slave is not to own one's time. And so Shabbat, the second value, sacred time means, as my Rebbe would say, that we are not commodities. Each and every one of us, our time is sacred. There is a place inside each and every one of us where we long to stop having to do anything in order to prove that we have the right to be. Shabbat says, put it down. You don't need it. Shabbat is that sacred container in which effort is seen for what it is as a gesture that we offer. We do our best. And Shabbat comes and we lay it down. Shabbat's value is a great equalizer. Each and every one of us, regardless of our race, religion, or creed, needs Shabbat. Each and every one of us needs to be in a culture where the bottom line is not monetized and quantified, but qualified. Each of us needs, on a weekly basis, to resign from cultures of greed. 
Each of us, on a weekly basis, need to resign from our servitude to the man, whatever that man is. Shabbat came along a long time ago to say each and every one of us is gifted with a place where we are no longer commodity and sacred space, the last of the three values. Sacred space means, if we think about Mishkan, a place where I can contribute, a place where there is room left for what I have to offer. Sacred space means that when I arrive, there's a sense that only I could have arrived in that space that has been reserved for me. No one else could take my place. I belong in that place because in that place, what I have to give is absolutely priceless. All the Rebbes, all of the Hasidic masters, all of the teachers in, the, in our tradition say that anybody could have given a trillion dollars. What was it such, why was it such a big deal for the Mishkan to be given from each and every person that each and every person would give Masha Nadav Libo what his heart would give? Each and every one of us. We could have gone to a big macher and said, listen, we have a building we want to buy. Can you buy it for us? And let me tell you something. If you think this is crazy and we're only talking about money, we're talking about davening too. How many people come to shul and they think, oh, the rabbi is going to daven for me? Oh, the rabbi is going to learn Torah for me? I heard from someone this week that, um, actually from my father-in-law, up at his, at, his, uh, at his shul, they brought in a very well-known rabbi to come and talk about changes in liturgy and how to get people more interested in davening. And so he started going through a whole list of all the things you have to do to get people interested in davening. You have to make, have fewer Hebrew words because people don't know Hebrew. You have to have more songs. You have to get more people involved, participation. And one guy in the back of the room raises his hand, I promise, and he says, Rabbi, we come to shul to relax. <laughs> we don't come to shul to work. Who wants to come to shul to work? Everything you just said, that's hard work. We come to shul, the chazan is going to pray for us. The rabbi will give a nice sermon for us. And we'll put on easy listening. We'll just, you know, recline. It'll be fine. Too often and too frequently, joining a shul or a sacred space, any other institution for that matter, becomes the end game. I'm often asked, so how many are coming this week? Right? How many are there? How are the numbers doing? Unaffiliated Jews, all the rage. Get them to shul and make sure they marry Jews. But we just don't. We don't just need people showing up here in shul, everybody. We need people to show up in their lives. In moments when everything in them is pushing them out the door, leaving, grabbing their coats and gloves, patterns of ego. As one Christian minister said this week that I listened to, he said, ego is edging God out. E-G-O, edging God out. When egos become inflated, precisely those are the moments that we wish we could take numbers. How many people are keeping cool? How many people are hoping against hope when despair is knocking on the door? How many people are taking a deep breath when all they want to do is shut down? Where are those numbers? Those are the numbers that matter. We can fill the pews, but if we can't fill the hearts, 
So I had a million other things to say, but I'm going to close. If someone were to stop me on the street and say, hi, my name is Bob Thompson, and I gave you a week, and I wanted you to formulate what it is that is religare, that reconnects you to truth, how do you use your religion? And of what use is your religion to you? I'd say, well, Bob, let me tell you what I discovered thinking about my community. At Romamu, we're all about kihila, that each and every one of you together with someone else, meets God in each other's faces and in each other's hearts. That clicks that naturally form are subtly and gently massaged so that we can let in new people, that we can really care about each other's narratives, that we can allow ourselves to take a moment to ask someone about their story. Who are you? Kehila. Shabbat. Shabbat is not about Friday night and Saturday, although, of course, it's about that. But on a Wednesday afternoon, where is your Shabbat? On a Thursday morning, on a Monday night, where is your Shabbat? Finding God in sacred time means that we are not slaves to time, but are born of the timeless. And sacred space means that each and every one of us has been given an imprimatur from the Holy One on high that you have a gift that no one else can give. Find a space, find a place that will welcome your gift. And I promise all of you, and I want you to bless me, that if Romamu and other communities like it uphold those three values, oh, what a world this could be.